This is bullshit. For those of you who are listening to this podcast and not watching the video, I'm holding in my hand some turmeric with the ingredient that is often touted as a veritable panacea, curcumin. And in this video, I'm going to tell you why this is absolute bullshit. Mainstream nutritional thinking is that I believe it makes incorrect assumptions and starts from a place of incorrect bias. What I mean by this is that the first principles through which I am going to approach a nutritional question like this regarding a root like turmeric is, does the plant want to be eaten? And the answer is invariably no. And in response to this, people often say, well, animals don't want to be eaten either. And to that, I have frequently answered, yes, animals don't want to be eaten, but they can run away, kick or bite you or gore you. And they have developed defense chemicals in the form of teeth and hooves and legs, which are swift. Plants do not have motility, generally speaking, or mobility as a defense mechanism. They generally do not have teeth, though some of them have spines. What they do have are defense chemicals. And so when we assume that turmeric is good for us because everyone says it is, and we don't actually look at the data, I think we are making a faulty assumption that is harmful to humans. So I approach this nutritional thinking a little bit differently than most people. My first principles approach is to think, does the plant want to get eaten? No. Does this root want to be eaten? No. So I am going to approach it from the perspective of the fact that this root probably has defense chemicals in it. And that's what I'm going to show you in this talk. I want to start with the actual studies that I could find that were double blind, randomized, and placebo controlled with turmeric that were beneficial. And then I will tell you why turmeric is very net negative. So I'm going to refer back to this paper multiple times in this video, The Essential Medicinal Chemistry of Curcumin by Catherine M. Nilsson. This is published in 2017. And as you can see here in the abstract, she states that more than 120 clinical trials of curcuminoids uh, against several diseases have been done. Uh, no double-blinded, placebo-controlled clinical trial of curcumin has been successful. This was a paper written in 2017. However, I was able to find a couple of randomized placebo-controlled trials that were uh, successful with curcumin, but they are, in my opinion, quite underwhelming. And certainly no sort of evidence that is deserving of the near-deity status that this root has. In fact, I'm going to paint this root as a villain. And in fact, interestingly enough, uh, the ANSES warns of turmeric-based supplements effect on the immune system. This is from April 21st, 2020. This is apparently a French health authority. They say French authorities are warning of turmeric-containing food supplements that could disrupt the immune system by interfering with inflammatory defense mechanisms that fight infections such as the coronavirus. <laughs> so the, uh, the Agency for Food Environmental and Occupational Health and Safety, the ANSES in France, says some food supplements contain plants with anti-inflammatory properties that can act like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs. These plants are capable of disrupting the body's natural defenses, which are useful in fighting infections, in particular COVID-19. Oh, imagine that. How interesting is that, that a French governmental agency somehow realized that a plant root probably doesn't want to be eaten and has defense chemicals and might modulate your immune system poorly. This is why if we view this through a lens of this plant actually wanting to harm you, so much of these negative effects come to light. But as I promised, let's review the positive placebo-controlled, double-blinded, 
trials first. Here's the first one. A randomized placebo-controlled double-blind clinical trial of curcuminoids in oral lichen planus, which is an autoimmune condition. The conclusions, curcuminoids at this dose were well-tolerated, and the results suggest that for future studies, a larger sample size, a higher dose, and or a longer duration should be considered because it didn't show any effect. They showed no benefits to curcumin in this randomized placebo-controlled trial. Let's look at a few others. A randomized double-blind placebo-controlled parallel group designed to evaluate the safety and efficacy of curine versus placebo in reducing symptoms of knee osteoarthritis. Incidentally, curine is a curcuminoid preparation in a liposome because as we will see later again and again, uh, curcuminoids, including curcumin in turmeric are very poorly bioavailable because your body wants to detoxify them and get them out of your body as quickly as possible. So in order to get meaningful doses that actually achieve any physiological effect, which I would argue is net negative in the first place, uh, many of these need to be packaged. This must be packaged with either piperine, and we'll talk about the dangers of that later on in this video, or with lipophilic preparations like curine. But back to this study, this study actually did find an effect, a uh, positive effect. So what we could say is that if you are trying to use curcumin uh, in reducing the symptoms of knee osteoarthritis, there is one double-blind placebo-controlled randomized trial that found statistically significant and clinically meaningful reduction in pain, stiffness, and improvement in physical function in patients suffering from knee osteoarthritis. Well, okay, that's maybe not terribly surprising because the curcuminoids have been found to have uh, inhibitory activity on the cyclooxygenase enzyme, specifically COX-1 and COX-2, and 5-lipoxygenase in a similar manner to what we might find with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. We could also give someone ibuprofen and find reduction in their knee arthritis pain. But we know that arthritis pain treated with ibuprofen has side effects, and that long-term treatment with ibuprofen can be damaging for the kidneys, the gastric mucosa of the stomach, or many other problems in the human body. It can actually, in fact, delay wound healing because many of the products of cyclooxygenase enzymes are involved in wound healing and inflammation resolution. And so any orthopedist worth their salt will be judicious in their use of ibuprofen. Why do we believe that curcuminoids in turmeric are somehow magical elfin uh, dairy fairy dust uh, unicorn farts that don't have side effects? They absolutely do. And physiologically, if you inhibit the COX-1 and COX-2 enzymes and the 5-lipoxygenase enzymes in your human body, whether it's with a curcuminoid from turmeric or ibuprofen uh, as a molecule, you will suffer downstream consequences. So yes, there is one double-blind placebo-controlled trial that shows a reduction in knee osteoarthritis pain with curcumin. Is it magical? No, not at all. And again, we must not ignore the side effects of this molecule or this series of molecules, this family of molecules. But again, I'm stacking the cards against myself here. I want to show you all of the double-blind placebo-controlled trials I could find uh, on turmeric and curcumin. Effects of turmeric and curcumin on the human gut microbiome, a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled pilot study. People love to point to this one from 2018, but when you read the conclusions, basically all it says is that the microbiota changed when you give turmeric. And there's a huge assumption here that this change in the microbiota was somehow beneficial. Uh, as I said earlier, most of the curcuminoids in turmeric are not absorbed. So they could have effect on the gut flora, which I think is the last bastion of hope that these 
uh, manufacturers of curcumin and curcuminoids and curine and all of these curcumin-based supplements want to cling to, to convince you that you should be taking tons and tons of a root that doesn't want to get eaten. And so in the study, they're saying, yeah, we give people a bunch of curcumin with, bio, with piperine. And what happens is we see changes in the gut microbiota. Uh, okay, that doesn't really mean anything. We don't know if that has any clinical implication other than the fact that, hey, these curcuminoids are going to change the way your gut microbiota looks. This to me is an overly uh, inflated result and doesn't really have any clinical significance yet. We don't know what these changes in the gut microbiota mean. Everyone wants to assume that they're good, but why would they be good? We don't know. Let's move on to talk about this series of um, randomized controlled trials looking at the effects of curcumin on blood lipid levels. Uh, this is from Clinical Nutrition in 2013. And if you read the conclusion, they find um, curcumin supplementation had no effect on serum total LDL cholesterol, triglycerides, and HDLC levels when, in, when considering heterogeneous populations. So no effect on lipids. Uh, you can listen to the podcast coming next week with Dave Feldman. If you have questions about lipids, that podcast will go into that in much more detail. And I've done many podcasts on lipids in general. I'm not sure that something that lowered LDL uh, without affecting other metrics would be meaningful to me at all either, but this meta-analysis shows no effect for curcumin on lipids. Mm, womp womp. Okay, one or two more. Oral curcumin in the treatment of moderate to severe psoriasis vulgaris. This is a prospective clinical trial. It is not randomized. Um, the response rate was low and possibly caused by a placebo effect or other uh, natural history of psoriasis. Uh, basically, there was no effect. There was no really significant effect on psoriasis index in this trial with uh, curcumin. So curcumin failed in that one as well. Here we have one more. The effects of curcumin on serum cytokine concentrations in subjects with metabolic syndrome, a post hoc analysis of a randomized clinical trial. And what you find is that, yes, um, curcumin did change some of the cytokine levels. Now, this is actually a very important point to consider. Um, the the, the really important thing to think about here is, do you want a polyphenolic molecule from a root that you are eating that clearly doesn't want to be eaten, changing your cytokine levels? Uh, probably not. You want to understand where that inflammation is coming from in the first place. I don't understand this absolute obsession within common culture, probably because of a limited understanding uh, of what inflammation is and how valuable it is in general in humans, it is a signal that something is wrong. When the buzzer, when the fire alarm or the buzzer in your house or your dormitory or your school is going off, you don't break the fire alarm. You don't silence the fire alarm, which is essentially what a molecule like curcumin may be doing. It's not correcting the root cause. It's not correcting the cause of the fire. It's just turning the fire alarm off. And yet what we've been so misled by in nutritional thinking is we're turning the fire alarm off. You can say, oh, these cytokines go down, therefore it's anti-inflammatory. Yeah, but whatever is causing that inflammation in the first place is still there. It's just changing your immune system's response in a potentially very negative way long-term. Why are you taking curcumin for inflammation without correcting the cause of the inflammation? I'll repeat it again. Why are you taking curcumin for inflammation without correcting the cause of the inflammation? This is lunacy. Don't just cover the fire alarm. Don't just put in earplugs when the fire alarm is going off. Put out the fire. That's what you should be doing. This is why these molecules don't make any sense to me. But within the nutritional literature, they are hailed as magical because they actually affect cytokines. Well, as the French agency showed us, perhaps affecting cytokines isn't the best thing. Perhaps you want your immune system to work properly and actually be inflammatory when there is a proper reason for it to be inflammatory. 
remember, inflammation can be a good thing. And I would argue that it's almost always a good thing. It is a signal that something is wrong and could be, should be corrected. Two more trials of curcumin. Effects of turmeric on uremic pruritus in the end stage of renal disease, double-blind, placebo-controlled, or at least double-blind randomized clinical trial. This study uh, found possible efficacy for turmeric in decreasing HSCRP. Uh, I don't know if you want to decrease HSCRP in this condition, like I just talked about. And maybe it decreased uremic, uremic pruritus in end-stage renal disease patients. Okay, maybe. I'm not sure that's a great indication for it when you see all the other bad things that it could potentially do mechanistically, but we'll count it. Maybe. Effects of turmeric extract supplementation on inflammation and muscle damage after a half marathon race, a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial. Before I tell you guys the results of this one, let's recall, let's think about this. You've just run a half marathon race. Inflammation in your muscles is a good thing. This is when you want inflammation in your muscles. We know that if you abrogate inflammation after a severe bout of exercise or weightlifting, you are going to ameliorate, you are going to lessen your gains. People have just run 13.1 miles. You want inflammation in your muscles to spur muscle growth and repair. Okay, remember that. Now, what does turmeric do? Well, it's, it's the uh, researchers were celebrating the fact that it led to an increase in IL-10, which is an, uh, a cytokine that's generally associated with resolution of inflammation, perhaps prematurely in this case, and decreased myoglobin in recreational runners in a half marathon race. So they're saying that it's great. Look, it's decreasing their inflammation. It's decreasing uh, the problems with their, their muscles, uh, except I'm not sure you want to do this. I think curcumin is doing the wrong thing in that position. And I think what we're seeing here is an emerging picture of a molecule from a root that doesn't want to be eaten. That's actually a defense chemical that is programming your immune system in a bad way. All right. So those are the double blind, or at least the clinical trials I could find with curcumin that were of note. Now let's get to the fun stuff and actually look at what people have looked at in terms of the potentially bad side effects of this curcumin molecule. Because remember, whether you're dealing with ibuprofen or you're dealing with curcumin, molecules have side effects. They all do. But you should not be ignorant to the side effects of things that are, quote, natural molecules like plant chemicals. This is what I've talked about multiple times in my book and other places. We assume that plants are benevolent when in fact they want you dead, or at least they don't want you to eat them. <laughs> and so they are making chemicals to dissuade you from doing that. And so you, even though you can find a paper here or a paper there that shows a benefit for a plant molecule, like sulforaphane, which I'll do a separate video on, or curcumin, you must consider the entirety of the evidence and realize that all of these molecules have side effects. All of these molecules have a package insert and you must weigh the benefits and the risk. And I would argue that the majority of the time, the risk is not worth, or the benefits are not worth the risk. So what are the problems I see with turmeric? Well. Outside of the curcumin, it's a very high source of oxalates. And if you've read my book or you know any of my discussions of oxalates, you know that this oxalic acid can accumulate in humans and potentially cause major issues. So uh, the percentage of oxalate that was water-soluble differed markedly between cinnamon and turmeric, which appeared to be the primary cause of the greater urinary oxalate excretion and absorption from turmeric. Turmeric is quite high in oxalates. So we're, we're sidestepping the curcumin problem now, and just talking about oxalates. Eating a whole bunch of curcumin from supplements, from curcumin powders, from golden milk, or whatever kind of hippy-dippy drink your friends are trying to get you to drink, 
is not a good thing. You do not want that many oxalates in your body and turmeric is a big source of oxalates. So just keep that as an adjunct to all of this other discussion. So let's move back over to the side of curcumin and talk about what that molecule in turmeric could be doing that's harmful as well. First paper I wanna to bring to your attention is this one by uh, Estefania Borgos Moron, uh, The Dark Side of Curcumin. It's a great paper. It talks about the fact that uh, number one, uh, mostly nanomolar range uh, concentrations of curcumin are achieved with massive dosing. Um, it is very difficult, nearly impossible to get micromolar range dosing of curcumin uh, or micromolar levels of curcumin in the human body. So that's the first thing to note. The other thing to note, again, is that the oral bioavailability of curcumin without something like piperine is very, very poor. I see this as an indication that your body doesn't want this molecule in it and is going to detoxify it, which we know is true, and excrete it almost immediately. It's not using it as a vitamin. Curcumin is not a vitamin. Repeat after me, curcumin is not a vitamin. <laughs> you get it. So piperine, what's the problem with piperine? Piperine inhibits UDP transferase, which is one of the enzymes that adds a glucuronide moiety to curcumin, which gets it out of the body. So if you inhibit the addition of glucuronide in phase two detoxification in the liver to curcumin, you can't get rid of it. And you get 2000 times higher doses in your body. Does that sound evolutionarily consistent? No, not at all. Piperine is a phase two detoxification enzyme inhibitor in the liver. It's going to allow other toxins into your body. This is my problem with black pepper. I do not eat black pepper because it has piperine as well as other compounds in it that are problematic, which is not surprising because black pepper is a seed. <laughs> so the first principles here are very clear, guys. If it is a root, stem, leaf, or seed, which is a seed, nut, grain, or legume, I'm probably gonna ask some serious questions about it, and you should too. Back to the roots with turmeric and curcumin, Adding piperine to your curcumin to get 2,000x dosing is a really bad idea, in my opinion, because of that. I want to draw your attention to the second page of this paper from Burgos, saying, a relatively high number of reports suggest that curcumin may cause toxicity under specific conditions. In 1976, Good Pasture and Arigi found that turmeric caused a dose and time-dependent induction of chromosomal aberrations in several mammalian salines. These alterations were observed at concentrations of 10 micrograms per ml. So... Again, probably higher than you could achieve with any normal dosing of curcumin, but those are the doses at which people have also seen benefits of curcumin. Accumulating data have demonstrated that since then, that curcumin can induce DNA damage and chromosomal aberrations both in vitro and in vivo at concentrations similar to those reported to exert beneficial effects. Let that sink in. For instance, curcumin concentration of 2.5 and 5 micrograms per ml were shown to induce DNA damage to both mitochondrial and nuclear genomes in cells. These reports raise concerns about curcumin safety as the induction of DNA alterations is a common event in carcinogenesis. That is the formation of cancer. On this side, you'll also note that they highlight um, that there is a chemical structure in curcumin, the presence of two alpha-beta unsaturated ketones in the chemical structure of curcumin that mediates something um, that may be problematic called a Michael addition. This reaction may explain, for instance, why curcumin generates reactive oxygen species irreversibly by modifying the antioxidant enzyme thioredoxin reductase, why curcumin induces topoisomerase 2 mediated DNA damage, and why curcumin inactivates the tumor suppressor gene P53. Even if you don't know what I'm talking about with those genes, all of that sounds kind of ominous, <laughs> but I'll break it down for you briefly. Topoisomerase 2 is an enzyme that winds and unwinds DNA. Um, that would be bad if that enzyme didn't work well in connection with curcumin, okay? What about thioredoxin reductase? Well, 
This is interesting because it may be connected with cancer mechanisms. And I didn't talk about any of the mechanisms with curcumin and cancer because I want to point this out. Just because something works in cancer cell line models doesn't mean it's good for healthy humans. I can't tell you how often I talk about sulforaphane and people respond, well, but it's been shown to be beneficial in cancer. Do you have cancer? <laughs> if you do, maybe there's a separate discussion. If you don't have cancer, why do you think that something that is beneficial in a cancer cell model is going to be translated to you as a healthy individual? That is an assumption that we cannot make. Do you take chemotherapy every day as a vitamin? I hope not. Let's look at this paper with thioreduxin reductase. Thioreduxin reductase is irreversibly modified by curcumin. Thioreduxin reductase catalyzes the NADPH-dependent reduction of the redox-active disulfide in thioreduxin. It's a lot of big words. It serves a wide range of functions in cellular proliferation and redox, which is reduction in oxidation control. That's important to know. It is irreversibly modified by curcumin, and as they say here, Modification of thyroidoxin reductase by curcumin provides a possible mechanistic explanation for its cancer-preventive activity, shifting the enzyme from an antioxidant to a prooxidant. So this is what I'm talking about with regard to cancer. Many compounds which show anti-carcinogenic activity, anti-cancer activity, are prooxidants. They cause programmed cell death, also known as apoptosis or apoptosis, depending what school of medical pronunciation you come from, and they cause DNA damage. You do not want agents that are chemotherapeutic in your body all the time. These are not good mechanisms. The way that these compounds often attack cancer is by causing cell death in the cancer. Do you want that to happen in your healthy cells as well? I think not. And in fact, curcumin has been shown to not be, uh, not be prejudicial, not be differentiable, not be a compound that differentiates between healthy and cancerous cells. Does this make sense now? If we go back to dosing studies with curcumin, we see that the dosing of curcumin is not completely harmless, however. Uh, this dosing of curcumin is not completely harmless. As human studies have shown that curcumin at doses ranging from 0.9 to 3.6 grams per day for one or four months originates some adverse effects, including nausea and diarrhea, and causes an increase in serum alkaline phosphatase and lactate dehydrogenase. But you should ignore your nausea and diarrhea and believe that this compound is bringing you closer to some sort of eternal deity or at least detoxifying you. No, you shouldn't ignore those things. If you're getting nauseous and diarrhea or having elevated alkaline phosphatase and lactate dehydrogenase with a compound like this, it's not good for you. I think the best review I've seen about problems with chemistry, uh, problems with curcumin are this one, as I mentioned in the beginning of this, The Essential Medicinal Chemistry by Catherine M. Nilsson. The Essential Medicinal Chemistry of Curcumin by Catherine M. Nilsson. So as she points out, there are many claims with curcumin that are unfounded, um, but as they state in this paper, compound one, which is curcumin, uh, has never been shown to be conclusively effective in a randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial for any indication. This paper was published in 2017. The study I showed you with neo-osteoarthritis was published in 2018. That's really the only one I could find, okay? But I still think that their characterization of curcumin is accurate, which is curcumin is best typified, therefore, as a missile that continuously blows up on the launch pad, never reaching the atmosphere or its intended targets. Perhaps that it's a, um, uh, a germane statement in 2021 when billionaires are trying to launch themselves into space, whether you think that's a good endeavor or not. 
I will fast forward to the toxicology portion of the same paper, suggesting that um, curcumin compound one uh, has activity against the HERG channel. Uh, you've probably heard me talk about this before. This is a potassium channel. The reactivity of each of these classes has important implications for the potential side effects. HERG channel inhibition related to cardiotoxicity, cytochrome P450, and glutathione S-transferase inhibition can lead to impaired detoxification, just like UDP glutaronosyl transferase inhibition, and potential toxic drug-drug contraindications. Beyond specific enzyme toxicity, compound one, which is curcumin, has recently been shown to be an active iron chelator in vivo, inducing a state of overt iron deficiency in mice fed diets poor in iron. Hmm, I have serious concerns about vegans who are not eating any significant amounts of heme iron, which is found in things like spleen and liver and muscle meat. And they're also probably doing tons and tons of curcumin, even more overt iron deficiency. This suggests that curcumin compound one has the potential to affect systemic iron metabolism, particularly in people with a pre-existing suboptimal iron status. Okay, very problematic. Um, in studies of therapeutic utility, curcumin has been reported as a cytotoxic against a number of important cancer cell lines. What is infrequently noted, however, is that it also shows cytotoxicity against normal human lymphocytes. Also shows cytotoxicity against normal human lymphocytes. Is this connected with uh, irreversible modification of thyroidoxin reductase and turning that enzyme from a uh, antioxidant enzyme to a prooxidant enzyme, possibly. This is all kind of pointing in the negative direction for me in a very clear way. Now, if you look at some of the clinical um, studies with curcumin uh, from this paper, they are also quite revealing and striking. In this one, uh, adverse events are rarely observed when curcuminoid preparations are dosed orally in humans, though some adverse reactions have occurred when large doses, 8 to 12 grams per day, necessary to provide, quote unquote, adequate systemic exposure were administered. For example, um, phase one dose escalation study was carried out where three subjects in each of eight cohorts were treated with a single dose of commercial milled curcumin mixture over a range of escalating doses. And they found adverse events, diarrhea, rash, headache, in 30% of the trial participants, but did not appear to be dose-related. When 30% of your participants get rash, diarrhea, and headache, this is not a friendly compound, okay? They go on to say, notably decreases in tumor markers or serum cholesterol were not observed as a result of treatment in any of the patients. This was in a study with, I believe, gastric cancer patients. Um, and three significant changes in quality of life scores were reported. One patient noted a significant improvement after one month treatment and two patients deteriorated after two months of treatment in terms of quality of life in this gastric cancer model, both of whom were found to have radiologic progressive disease. So in this study, the curcumin dosing was negative for the cancer outcomes and the quality of life progression. Mild diarrhea was the only uh, sign of toxicity observed. In the present discussion, the uh, significance of these phase one studies is twofold. First, large amount of compound one, which is curcumin, appear to be fairly well tolerated suggesting that the use of curcuminoids or turmeric as herbal supplements at lower doses is probably benign. Second, even at what might be considered the maximum tolerated dose from the standpoint of a pill consumption, we note that curcumin has a variable and extremely low bioavailability uh, systemically when dosed orally. So is it safe? It's probably not horribly dangerous, but is it beneficial? I don't think it's terribly beneficial. And clearly in some people, it can even have an idiosyncratic reaction causing systemic toxicity or rashes or diarrhea or nausea. Why are you taking it in the first place again? Oh, that's right, to get rid of your inflammation. What's causing it in the first place? You get the idea. 
So in summary, let me say these things. In turmeric, we have a root from the ginger family. It doesn't want to get eaten. It has defense chemicals in it. We have thought of curcumin as a very valuable molecule, mostly based on in vitro studies that are probably not going to translate, that don't appear to translate clinically into meaningful effects for humans. Could it be useful as a pseudo non-steroidal anti-inflammatory? Perhaps. Do non-steroidal anti-inflammatories have side effects? Because they inhibit COX-1 and COX-2 and 5-lipoxygenase? Absolutely. Why do people have knee osteoarthritis in the first place? That's a subject of a separate video. Has anyone compared this to ibuprofen? No. Do we know that this is better than ibuprofen? No, we can't assume. But just because it's natural doesn't mean that it's not trying to kill you either, guys. What about other effects of curcumin? Generally pretty lackluster. Doesn't affect lipids, like in plainness, psoriasis, pretty much failures. Why are we taking this in the first place again? It's irreversibly modifying thyroidoxin reductase potentially. Do you need it to affect cancer if you don't have cancer? I would say no. Your body does a good job of this when you're well slept, when you're well nutrified, when you're well fed, when you're getting meat, organs, fruit, and honey, when you're metabolically healthy in your body. So I think turmeric is BS. I think it's been sold to us as this magical panacea, and we've forgotten the first principles, that these things don't want to be eaten in the first place. And when you actually dig into the literature, what you find is a very unconvincing case for turmeric administration. And even worse, the fact that it is so often administered as uh, lipophilic substances or uh, with piperine, which could inhibit UDP glucuronosyl transferase. Leave it out of your diets, guys. Throw away your curcumin supplements. Do not take curcumin, in my opinion, in any way, shape, or form. Avoid this. If you want to have it in a curry from time to time, fine, but it shouldn't be a large part of your regimen. It's certainly not a panacea. There's no convincing evidence that it's good for you in any way, shape, or form, and I would suspect that it's probably a very clear net negative. I'll remind you of the French health agency's recommendation that it could modify your immune system in a negative way and leave you with that and just say, your body kind of knows what to do. You can do simple things. You can eat meat. You can eat organs, either fresh or desiccated, like we make it hard in soil. You can eat fruit. You can eat honey. You can be metabolically healthy and eat less of the most toxic parts of plants, which are roots, stems, leaves, and seeds. Seeds being seeds, nuts, grains, and legumes. And I believe you will thrive. I don't think anyone is going to die from a turmeric deficiency, but I think a lot of people could suffer needlessly from excess oxalates or other downstream effects of this curcumin molecule in the human body. I got an amazing review from Heart and Soil. If you need more grass-fed, grass-finished organs in your life, check us out. This is from, um, I don't have a name, but this is a uh, professional opinion is the title. To start, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I dabble in CrossFit and triathlons. I love how much the Heart of the Warrior and hair, skin, and nails combo makes my body feel. I'm on my second batch of Heart of the Warrior and skin, hair, and nails. I previously have done about three rounds of beef organs, but this combo seems to work best for keeping my energy high. I recover more quickly and little aches and pains have diminished. I see daily what poor diet, nutrition, and lack of overall body care can do. I'm constantly asking if I'm old enough to be a doctor. While I'm still young, most people start to decline at my age of 31. From this insight, and the help of heart and soil, I'm confident that I will be able to go against that normal, inexorable progression to decrepitude. My patients ask me what I eat, and I always refer them to heart and soil and animal-based diets. So I appreciate this review. I'm so glad to hear this person is thriving with our stuff. I can't tell you how often people tell me and us at heart and soil 
that when they go animal-based or full carnivore, their aches and pains go away. And I can't help but think, is it oxalates and things like turmeric? Is it oxalates and things like spinach? Is it plant compounds and these root stems, leaves and seeds that are not so great for us? It's anecdotal, but it's compelling to me. You probably know someone whose aches and pains have gone away when they transition to an animal-based diet. So I really believe in this way of life. I believe organs will be beneficial for you, either fresh or desiccated, like make it hard in soil. If you have more questions, you can always email us, radicalhealth at heartandsoil.co. And the team will walk you through how to transition, but get rid of the turmeric, guys. It's BS. <laughs>